and welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Strakert. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your hosts. My name is Aaron. I'm also one of your hosts. Aaron is also an actor. No longer. The show closed. How was the show? <laughs> oh, oh um, it was really, really good. It was actually the peak of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, did they, okay, so did you get any reviews written about you? I, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I know that a reviewer came at some point, so Ooh. we'll have to see. Apparently our narrator got <laughs> reviews, which says a lot about the show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it actually you know went, the part in between the actors? That yeah, was great. It actually went okay. <laughs> um, it was a stage reading. It wasn't even really a play. Um, so we were all holding our scripts. They called it a radio play. Um, mm. We are all holding our scripts, and somehow majority of the actors in the cast <laughs> managed to fuck their lines up. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to roast it too hard. They were nice people. There was quite a bit of elderly in the show, so I can give them some... Uh, um, so cut them some slack on that. Um, but let's just say bad British accents. Um, yeah. Oi, it's a bad British accent. We didn't, even, we didn't even run the play fully um, until the first night we were on stage. Oh, no. Yeah, and the the main beef I have with the whole thing is just that they were charging a ridiculous amount of money for people to come see the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like $30 a ticket. That felt quite a, a excessive for a play. That is a lot. Like How a much were you guys reading? getting paid? Nothing. See that part, yeah. I have a big, excuse me, big problem with because I'm like, if you're if you're charging that much for mm-hmm. tickets, that should mean that everybody's getting paid evenly. Yeah. So there was a couple little, um, you know, grievances I had with the show, and then I was up on stage on the first night. I'm in the start of the play. I'm in the end of the play. Um, I Tops played, and tails, baby. I played a lawyer in the play, and I have a scene with this journalist, and we're reviewing the murder case like 30 years later in retrospect. The, um, you know, the murderer had just passed away, so we were reviewing the case, just having some beers or whatnot. And at the at the start of the play, I'm, like, explaining all the law. Like, I'm a lawyer, so, like, but then at the end of the play, I'm pretty sure the guy that wrote the play fucked up the names <laughs> because the journalist was explaining the law to me and directly quoting things I said in the first scene, saying, like, you remember when I said this and remember when I said that? I was like, I'm pretty sure our lines are swapped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, very, it was very interesting. Um, that but, is interesting, but it was a good way for you to dip your toes back into the industry. Yes. Yeah, and, and I got uh, some, I got some positive feedback, which was nice. It filled yeah. my um, belly uh, and my ego was quite stroked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, honestly, like, I'm just really impressed that, for an actor with a severe lisp, you're you're yes, getting work. my newly developed lisp. Um, but it was nice. We've certainly done. I've certainly done worse shows before. We've certainly done worse shows oh, together yeah. before. So I would uh, say it wasn't my finest work, but it wasn't my worst either. You know so. what? As long as it's not your worst, that's all that matters. Yep. yep. I, I really truly feel that if you just don't do your worst every time, then you're okay. And I hadn't been on stage since early 2020, so it was quite a. That's uh, fucking crazy. Yeah, it was. You know, it's been quite a long gap. Did your parents come to the show? No, I told them not to. Oh fuck! Yeah, did, did Sarah really, come? Yes, yeah, okay. Came. Yeah, Sarah <laughs> came last night, um, but I did. I did try to encourage um, non-attendance. I'd say. Would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried to persuade people to not come to my show. <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't tell them not to come. I just said save your money. Um, you know. 
buy some Popeyes, <laughs> fill up half a tank of gas. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> there was better ways to spend your money. That's all. That's fucking great. But overall, I was happy to be back. Like I said, I don't want to shit on it too much because there there are nice people involved. It was just um, very disorganized. Something you will get a kick out of, I think. Um, the the stage manager. <laughs> which uh you know is a very important role in the show listening for cues um she was severely hearing impaired oh um, no oh so no oh no that created a lot of issues especially in rehearsal uh, oh that's hilarious yeah yeah so that was it was entertaining rehearsal the rehearsal process was entertaining we rehearsed strictly in a pub which was also fun um yeah so that was good in a basement of a pub that that's pretty cool rehearsal space yeah that is that is pretty neat yeah, I, I like I like weird site specific rehearsal spaces. Mm-hmm. This has been a rehearsal space before. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, nice. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess anywhere if you really want it to be, it could be a black box theater. Yeah, as as long as you have it in your heart. Yeah, that's all that matters. Perfect. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of in your heart, uh, one thing I got to mention before yes. uh, before we get into it, this Friday. At the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, mm-hmm. we are doing a live podcast. Aaron, myself, and Sam Sam will all be there. We're doing the music of video games. Mm-hmm. Come on out. It's at 6 p.m. in the Palomino Room H, I believe. Nice. Uh, I, you know what? If it's not, it's right beside it in the <laughs> Palomino Room G. So it'll be one of those. Uh, but yeah, come on out. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have some... We'll have some some hoots and hollers. Yes. There'll be lots of hoots and lots of hollers and some PG rated fun. We're not allowed to swear. Not allowed to will, swear. Which will be incredibly fucking difficult for you know, the two of us. I, I feel uh, like it won't be that hard. It's just a matter of making sure that you stop yourself before yes. you say one. Because I think that for the most part, we can both have conversations without swearing. I think what we should do is we should. Fuddy duddies. Today, <laughs> we should. Get a list of words we need to throw in <laughs> on the live show just to make it a little more interesting. I'm in shackles. <laughs> uh, I think we. I'm seeing a box of triscuits, so I think we should talk about triscuits at some point. Triscuits, yes. Triscuits will be one. This is going to be the worst improv ever. You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing a box of triscuits. <laughs> I see uh, a Nintendo Switch. I see a Nintendo Switch. Uh, is that a Game Boy that is you that have? A Game Boy. <laughs> I see an incredibly sexy man behind the camera. Oh, He's very sexy. Look at him. Sorry, spread. Sam. Can you move out of the way? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was I was trying to boost Sam's confidence. I'm like, ooh, spread it, baby, no, Spe- spread it. Spencer, you got it last week. This week it's Sam's yeah. Turn. Fuck me, did I get it last week? Uh, dude, I kind of felt bad after. I, I like wanted to give you a hug. I, I had uh, it was so funny because I I went to uh, the attic on Sunday. And I was telling Carla Marks about uh, that episode. I was like, yeah, I was just the fucking punching bag, and then she was like. Well, in all fairness, you are always the punching bag in life. So this makes sense that you're the so punching she, she bag. She doubled that. She, she got in on she it, She doubled too. down, and then I was like, oh, I feel like even worse now. Um, okay, so uh, before, we, before we get into it, uh, one thing I got to say. Yes. Uh, I'm going on tour. Yes. Okay, dates. We got uh, Invermere on the 13th of May, Swift Current the 19th. Uh, Medicine Hat, the 20th, Kelowna on the 27th. So get your tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest of the tickets are going to be available at some point soon. 
had to change the island dates a bit, so I don't know what fucking city I am where on the island. Fair right enough. Now. I'll figure it out. It's very exciting, and you've been having some good shows here in town as well. Yeah, um, it, it's worth been fun yeah you've been opening up at the laugh shop you've been all over the place man yeah it's been it's been it's been a pretty hectic little little stretch here yeah, i'm gonna be so supportive and nice to you today you know i really appreciate it that, i'm so proud of you yeah, my it's boy. not like that also makes me very uncomfortable <laughs> my boy i'm so proud of you i'm so proud of you my boy okay so we had a very special day yesterday yes in canada yes it was national record store day nice uh which i Okay, so I, I showed up at Sloth Records. I showed mm-hmm. up at at uh, two thirty in the afternoon, yeah. and I did not get into Sloth Records until three forty in the afternoon. Wow! I waited in line for an hour because everything. If you don't know, uh, it's fifty percent off of used records and twenty percent off of new ones. Nice. So people went ham, and then when I was in the lineup, they were like yelling stuff out like. Yeah, just so you know, we got no more Taylor Swift in there. And like, then you'd hear people be like, oh, and like, Dang. I, was like I was like, so it was crazy. But then I spent an hour in the record store. Wow. Because I was, I was scoping. I was on a mission. Doing the heavy lifting today. I was doing today. a fucking heavy lift. So this could be possible future, future uh, reviews. This could be future reviews. So the first one, uh, which I'm very excited about, is Lenny Bruce's uh, stories about how I was arrested. Wicked. That's um, cool. It's a very fucking cool album. Uh, and honestly, I got more crazy good comedy finds than I got anything else because there was just nobody going to the comedy section. Um, second uh, album that I thought was really dope was uh, Rodney Dangerfield's No Respect, mm. which is just a fucking iconic comedy album uh, of its time. Uh, also, I think that was the reason that Rodney got famous again. Nice. Because that's how he got famous because he wasn't and then – he quit comedy, and then he came back with this whole, like, oh, I got no respect. He, he, he came back with that, and, like, fucking, like, that blew him up. Uh, Robin Williams' Reality, What a Concept, uh, which is a Grammy-winning comedy album, so that's pretty pretty that's fucking cool. sweet. Don Rickles uh, Speaks, nice. which I'm very excited about. Um, then uh, we got Bananarama, The Wildlife, which, okay, <laughs> what's really fucking dope about uh, Bananarama is uh, – the uh, the song "Cruel Summer" it was actually written because the lead singer was too young to go out, and the rest of the band all w- went out and got <laughs> drunk and everything. And she couldn't, so she wrote the song "Cruel Summer." That it sucks. Was, yeah, it was their yeah. one hit too, yeah. and it's about her sadness. Uh, we got Glenn Campbell. Uh, it's a it's a compilation of some of his stuff like Wichita Alignment and uh, yeah. So that I'm excited about that one. Uh, Lover Boy, loving every minute of it. Nice. Fucking good old, good old classic and a Calgary classic. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Aerosmith's Draw the Line, which what's <laughs> fucking dope about this album is this is peak them on drugs. So this is the this is around the time when like Steven Tyler's like snorting coke out of a scarf mm. on stage. Uh, I got the Dream Academy's uh, first album. Nice. Uh, and then, okay, so I used to have this one. Uh, the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, uh, but I sold it because I thought that my mom had it. So yeah. when I got my mom's collection, this was not a part of it. And Damn. I was so bummed. So yeah, got, uh, got that. So now I have some Beatles again. We got the chicks gaslighter, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm excited about. I haven't actually opened or listened to any of these cause it was yesterday afternoon. We got Taylor Swift's love. Oh, you did get a Taylor And Swift. I did. Here's the thing. I, I was looking through some of the used uh, boxes and this was hidden in one of the used boxes. So what I think happened was somebody fucking hit it a few days ago and thought that nobody would like, 
check it right nice and then i i i saw it and scooped it up and snagged it so very cool and, and the piece de resistance the piece de resistance john cougar's american fool <laughs> <laughs> what tracks around this one that one has uh jack and diane it hurts uh, so good it hurts so good yeah oh fuck yeah it, you know what I will say, like, I, I I think, like, it's funny because that, that album is, like, one of the iconic 80s <laughs> albums. But obviously, we're going to have to make fun of it at some yes. point. Like, there's no... It might be worth reviewing it. <laughs> I think it would be worth it just so that we could make sure that it goes down in history with a negative review. <laughs> Sucking on chili dog. Sucking on a chili dog. <laughs> Sucking on a chili dog. Sucking on a chili dog. Okay, so every episode we do... Uh, a new segment. Yes. It's called Sam's Today in Music History. <laughs> it was for April 26th, and I got a new theme song for Sam. Oh. Uh, so. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was good work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too bad it's never going to end up in the YouTube video. <laughs> I feel like that one should. That this was, man just played the spoons. I just played the spoons. Listen, I learned a musical <laughs> instrument, everyone. I learned a musical instrument just so that I could do that. <laughs> what is this, like the 1930s and you're drunk in a kitchen? Dude, the this only thing I'm incredible. missing is a jug. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I, got, I got the teeth to play the spoons. Oh, we could all we could make a jug band. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> Blue moon of Kentucky. Keep on shining. Okay. Uh, Sam today in music history. So, in 2013... Uh, country singer George Jones, mm. who had a string of number one songs between the 50s and 90s, died at 81. Uh, nicknamed Possum, his signature song was He Stopped Loving Her Today, a track about love and death. That song is actually incredibly fucking haunting. My God, the steel guitar in that mm. song is like, it honestly, I think, is probably the most iconic steel guitar of all time. And it's it's just like... Hands down, you, you listen to it and you're just like, oh, because it's about a dude that like he finally like moves on from his girlfriend by killing himself. Ouch. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> rough. Uh, uh, in 2008, Amy Winehouse spent the night in custody after being arrested on suspicion of assault. Did not know that. No, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that she uh, uh, smacked a motherfucker. That's impressive. Um, in 2001, uh, Destiny's Child, not the first thing she's done with Smack. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Oh, 2001, my God. Uh, Sam's face. <laughs> in 2001, Destiny's Child were number one on the UK singles chart with Survivor. Uh, Janet Jackson was uh, number one on the US chart mm. with All For You. And Shaggy and Ricardo Rick Rock Doucette had the Australian number one hit with It Wasn't Me. Nice. Which... Fucking, uh, I knew all the words to that song when I was way that too young. That song is very good. Uh, I actually, there's like a deep dive on YouTube. Yeah, I watched the, the same creation one. Yeah. of that song. It's actually quite interesting. It's really interesting. Um, it's not Shaggy's best work. I think, personally, I think um, Angel is his best. Yeah. Show uh, you my angel. Yeah. You're my darling you angel. Life's a big body while you're still young. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to hold you back when it's all done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You were there through my incarceration. I want to show the nation my, my appreciation. appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, in 1982, out on a day's shopping, Rod Stewart was robbed by a gunman of his $50,000 Porsche 911 on a Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles. Mm. Uh, modern Porsche 911 started $139,000. Damn. 
Uh, that sucks. He's. Uh, a, I actually have an interesting Rod Stewart fact. I have a couple. Do you for you very very quickly? Um, he was like a really really good soccer player, football player. Um, and I saw him in concert, and this would have been like in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. And he's was old then. He's older now, but he's fucking old then. And he was just drop kicking soccer balls into the second really the second uh, rafters at the um, the old Rexall place in Edmonton. Holy oh, shit! Oh yeah, he was just punting fucking soccer balls. He was yeah, it was quite quite impressive. That's actually really impressive. Yeah, so he was a really really good soccer player, but he quit soccer to play music. Which um, good that honestly, thank God because he made some bangers. <laughs> and then one of his like. I don't know how many kids he has. I think he has quite a bit. Um, was like good at hockey, <laughs> played in the WHL. So what? Like, yeah, that's another little fun fact for oh, you. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, so in 1980, Blondie uh, were at number one on the UK singles charts with "Call Me," and it was the group's fourth UK number one, uh, and it was also a number one in the US, where it became the band's biggest selling single. I'd be down to do some Blondie someday. I would, too. Yeah. I have some Blondie. Nice. I got Blondie, and I got Toronto. Ooh. Toronto's fucking great, too. Yeah, I'd be down. Uh, okay, so uh, 1978, Last Waltz director Martin Scorsese's acclaimed documentary of the band's uh, star-studded last concert opens in theaters. The film features performances by Neil Young, Eric Clapton, Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison, Neil Diamond, the Staple Singers, and Dr. John. Mm. That's pretty fucking nuts. And in 1964... The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Dave Clark Five headlined the uh, NME mm-hmm. Pole Winners concert at Wembley Empire Pool, Liverpool. Nice. <laughs> I think that was wor- that was a sentence. I think. I think so. I believe. Yeah. There was nice. words there. There um, were words there. Okay. Uh, releases in this day mm-hmm. in 1982, Paul McCartney's Tug of War. 1983, Weird Al Yankovic's self-titled first album. Nice. Uh, Frank Zappa's guitar in 1988 and Jimi Hendrix blues in 1994. Ooh, interesting. Uh, there's a really, I have to mention this because it's, it's a throwback, but one of, one of my favorite jokes of all time is a Larry, the cable guy joke. And he talks about how Boston is the laziest rock band of all time. (laughs) He's like, they've released three albums since 1975. Jimi Hendrix releases three a year, and he's been dead for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole uh, dead artist releasing albums is not a new thing. Um, mm. We are fully aware of that, but it isn't a new thing. It definitely is not. But now with this AI uh, <laughs> voiceover AI is stuff terrifying. Is, is insane, man. I posted that clip on our Instagram of uh, Kanye West and Drake singing Wet Ass Pussy. Yeah. Um, and it was really realistic. It was incredible. I thought it was real. Yeah, I thought yeah. I legitimately thought that was real. I did not know. Did you guys hear the like, Drake and Weekend AI track? I did. Yeah. 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 That was wild. That was fucking crazy. So it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I've heard Drake and Kanye sing quite a quite a few different tracks. I heard <laughs> Kanye sing it Upside Down by Jack Johnson the other day. Oh, fuck, dude. That's um, fucking hilarious. I've heard Drake sing anything over the moon. He's Taylor Swift. I've seen Drake sing Taylor <laughs> oh, Swift. So it's about to get really interesting. I, I'm expecting, I'm anticipating more Juice World albums to, to come. Uh, Juice World's going to have about 15 albums a year. Uh, <laughs> That's actually, like, so creepy, though. Because, like, I, I really hate it because I'm like, I like, I... Fuck! Like how how do you differentiate? So the deep fakes, it's quite you, you can still kind of tell with yeah. the facial expressions on deep fakes. Um, I've seen the advertising deep fakes. Like there's a t- 
people make a ton of deepfakes of Joe Rogan, like selling supplements and yeah. shit. I've seen those, but the audio ones are way trickier. Those ones yeah, are really tricky. It's way trickier to catch. That's what I mean. Like the, the like the, the 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 you know obviously the video ones. It's it's pretty it's pretty significant mm-hmm. to like how different facial movements are when you're capturing them real. But the the advertisement ones with Rogan, for instance, like they'll show like two seconds of him saying something, mm-hmm. then cut to the website. So it actually looks like he's talking about the fucking website. It's creepy mm. as hell. Now, what I think, though, this is going to be a really good tool for when celebrities fuck up mm. and they say something <laughs> completely inappropriate. Like, you know, and Morgan Whalen <laughs> kept saying the N-word. Yeah. You know, if he did that today, he could say, oh, man, it's deep fakes. It's deep faking me. I swear to God, they're deep faking me. Honestly, I wonder how much he regrets that that wasn't like a year later. Well, <laughs> it actually had zero effect on his career. I think no. he got more popular. I, I think um, so too. But you know, if you know, if someone in a genre that people actually care about racism, yeah, um, yeah, he could, uh, <laughs> you know, you could get out of it. Yeah, you, know, you could get out of it. I uh, okay. Uh, I I have something to bring up about that later, but I'm gonna get it into it when we when we're talking about the album. Yes. Okay? Okay, so every every week on Misfits on Vinyl, we review an album. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a very popular album. Sometimes it's one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it hits the Venn diagram of a crossover. And uh, this week, I would say it hits the Venn diagram of, like, great album, also... Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> We've branched off in the diagram. We've branched off in the yeah, diagram. Yeah. That's uh, fair. So the album that we're reviewing is not the chick's gaslighter, but the chick's fly, 1999. <laughs> I feel like we need light. Okay, I was going to mention this. We need a lightning sound effect when we do this. Pew. 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 Nice. Okay. So, uh, Fly by the Chicks was uh, released on August 31st, 1999 through uh, Monument Records. It's the fifth studio album of the group. It debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. Mm-hmm. Eight of the 14 tracks were released as singles. And the song Sinwagon charted without an official single release. <laughs> uh, Some Days You Gotta Dance was originally recorded with Keith Urban's country music trio, The Ranch. Nice. Uh, but Keith actually recorded the guitar on the Chicks version. Oh, that's cool. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty interesting. And this is before Keith Urban was, like, famous, right? Before he was Keith Urban. Before he was Keith Urban. I actually also seen Keith Urban in concert at one point in my life. He's fucking pretty good. He got free tickets. Me and my sister went. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed He's, it. He, you know what? Keith Urban is, like, he is uh, consistently putting out pretty good music. Yeah. I, I would say Golden Road, like, his first, uh, like, big album, still one of my favorite albums. Like it, it's a it's a good country. He album. fucking shreds. Yeah. I honestly didn't. I wasn't that familiar with his music. Can't say I listened to a ton of his music, but I went to the concert and dude fucking shreds on the guitar. Oh yeah, it it was pretty cool. Got no money in my pockets. <laughs> I got a hole in my jeans. Nice. I had a job and I lost it. But it won't get to me. I like that we broke it Because I'm riding with my baby. 
<laughs> like how you broke that down. It's like I got no money in my pockets because they have holes in them. <laughs> like, yeah. It makes sense. Got no money because they all fell out. Um, and, and he had a job, but he lost he it. He had a job. He lost probably because they, they had a no-hole pants policy. Yeah, yeah it he makes probably sense. showed up looking like uh, uh, like like how the you know uh, contract workers show yeah. up to a lot of places. And there was some OSHA and some safety violations with those <laughs> jeans on Keith. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were complaining to AOP about him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so producers on the album included uh, Blake Chansey, who began his career as a sound engineer and worked with the Allman Brothers, Joe Walsh, and Ricky Nelson nice. before attaining a Bachelor of Arts in Music Business at Middle Tennessee University. Along with developing the Dixie Chicks, he also helped develop Montgomery Gentry. Which mm. is fucking crazy. That's cool. That's like two of the biggest, I would say, acts in the early 2000s in country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paul uh, Worley was the other producer. He eventually became the chief creative officer at Warner Brothers Records and signed Big and Rich. Nice. Which is pretty That's, crazy as well. So they got a lot of a lot of big hitters on this. They got a lot yeah. of big hitters on this one. Um Engineer Chris Rao was known for specializing in country rock and later engineered Taylor Swift's first album and several of her Taylor's versions. Nice. Which I think it was That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. Um, what I wanted to mention about the album is Emily Strayer, who was one of the founding members, uh, she plays banjo on this album, and wow, is her fucking banjo picking incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and I thought what was really impressive about it is it really sets the tone for each song, but then the fiddle playing isn't like isn't like drowned out because it's not like the banjo is is the focal point of every song no i it, it certainly has got a a pretty prominent through line on the whole album mm-hmm. but i wouldn't say it's uh it overpowers anything i mean i honestly i knew a couple of tracks off this album but this is not something i grew up listening to yeah yeah um you know my parents we listened to a little bit of different music a lot of newfoundland music <laughs> for me yeah, yeah. um and then a lot of rock but uh, my parents, I wouldn't say, are huge country people, but I did recognize a couple of the tracks. Um, Earl, I recognized, and yeah. I recognized "Cowboy Take Me Away." Ready um, to run, yeah. Ready to run is a pretty fucking. Their uh, harmonies are fucking off the charts, man. Right? It's so fucking nice. It's very, um, you know, I would say it's not hard to listen to, and I can no. see as well how they inspired some of the artists we've already touched on, especially Casey Musgraves. I could yeah. see the inspiration, and I could probably. You know, earlier Taylor Swift stuff as well. You could get oh, get it from this as well, dude. One hundred percent. Her yeah. first album sounds like she's she's trying to like capture their sound, mm-hmm. and and you know, in in a way, she does. Like she pays homage to it, in in, in I think a, a pretty uh, consistent way. Yeah. So you can see how they influence the you know the rise of the female country singer, which seems to be. I mean, the nineties it was very popular, and then there was a bit of a yeah. dip in the the you know early 2010s there was a lot of male country singers and now there's a lot of female country singers back and more prominent and and also the female country singers are doing actual country yeah they're not doing bro country it's yeah which is something we've touched on multiple times how shitty bro country is but you know what's crazy is like i've been watching a lot of things about how like bro country is dying because like people are just like sick of it because everything sounds the exact same right Mm -hmm. um okay so uh, Goodbye Earl was written by uh, Dennis Lind, who is famous for writing Elvis Presley's Burning Love. Wow. Uh, and he also, he's a writer who doesn't work with co-writers, but has multiple top five hits on the country charts, including Bubba Shot the Jukebox by Mark Chestnut mm. and Colin Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks. Wow. Uh, 
Cold Day in July was written by Richard Lee, and he is best known for penning uh, Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue by Crystal mm. Gale. Oh, that's cool. Now, what's really cool about this is I found out when I was doing the research on this, uh, Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue won the Grammy for Best Country Song. Mm. I didn't know that it was it was technically country. Like, it kind of sounds more of just like a, you know, fucking pop standard. Yeah. It was actually number one on both the country and the pop charts, and oh. it was nominated for both uh country and pop song and that's something that's cool right i was like that's so fucking crazy it's funny that you mentioned the um the writer of the goodbye early worked with elvis and he's kind of um he'd been writing songs for a very long time because that song feels like a like a classic like it right? feels like the way it's structured the way it's written is like a classic tune and it and it's got the same like like uh like the mixing on it even mm-hmm. like the the way that they mix it so that it's like the 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 main like any of the verses are more of telling a story yeah and the chorus is belting out fucking incredible mm. vocals yeah no I, I i it makes sense now that you mentioned that it did it just clicked with me that yeah that that makes perfect sense it sounds like an old school country tune right yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so two last things about the album natalie mains's father lloyd mains did the steel guitar on the album and previously he worked with Wilco on their debut album. Oh my god, so many connections here. Right? And then Electric Guitar was done by Pat Buchanan, who also worked with Don Henley, Dolly Parton, and Travis Tritt. Okay, yeah, I recognize the name Pat Buchanan. Yeah. yeah. I I've, I've, I think we've talked about Pat Buchanan before. I think before. we have, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. So about the artists, mm-hmm. let's get into this, because there's the, like, they actually have, like I think, one of, one of the most interesting... Uh, stories we've talked about. Yeah, it- so I I have vague. Um, I didn't. I mean, you wrote this episode. I didn't look over it, but I have a little bit of vague ideas. I remember some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. That happened. I mean, we were both fairly young when the controversy yeah. happened with them, but it's quite interesting. It's uh, pretty fucking interesting. Yeah. Americans are crazy. They're actually <laughs> yeah, nuts. Yeah, I, yeah. I have some quotes actually from that. Perfect. that I, I, I love it. Cause I, I watched, I watched the documentary again this week about that and nice. it was fucking nuts. Uh, so founded as the Dixie chicks in 1989, the original group consisted of founder Laura Lynch on upright bass, uh, Robin Lynn Macy on guitar, and then the multi-instrumental sisters, Marty and Emily Irwin, in 1989. The Irwin sisters later married and both changed their names twice. Uh, so Marty to Marty Seidel and then Marty McGuire. And Emily to Emily Robbins, or Robinson and then Emily Strayer. Nice. Uh, the band's name was taken from the album Dixie Chicken by Lowell George of uh, Little Feet. Um, initially... They played predominantly bluegrass with, like, mixes of, like, country standards. Mm. Um, All four women played and sang, uh, though McGuire and Strayer provided most of the instrumentals accompaniment for the band, and the other two were, like, mostly just lead vocals. Um, So McGuire primarily played fiddle, mandolin, and viola, while Strayer's specialties included the five-string banjo and dubro. Uh, In 1990, Penny Cook, who was the daughter of... Uh, Texas Senator John Tower gave the group $10,000 to record an album. Nice. And their first studio album, Thank Heavens for Dale Evans, which is a great fucking name. That's a great name, yeah. uh, Was named after the pioneering performer Dale Evans. They paid $5,000 for the 14-track album, and the album included two instrumental tunes. Now, this is a little bit... uh, This is going back a bit, but it gives some context. In 1987 and 1989, McGuire actually placed in the National Fiddle Competition mm. 
uh, in like third and second place. Okay. So really, really phenomenal. Yeah, very talented. Very yeah. talented instrumentalist. Um, and at the time, uh, they all got together to do a Christmas single, which was released at the end of the year. Um, and uh, on the flip side, there was a song called The Flip Side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the record uh, titles were uh, really significant at the time because uh, during that period of time, the bandmates dressed as cowgirls <laughs> and publicity photos reflected this image. But uh, they did not really get the mainstream success at this no, point. No, I, 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 when I briefly looked over this album, I know that they didn't really get much success until their like i think it's in 95 or 96 yeah. whatever that their their album it, it was, was after a big shift up in the band yes yeah i um, was gonna say because they kind of reinvented their image because uh natalie mains brought in more of a rock and and mm. uh blues influence uh whereas mcguire and uh strayer were like more of the you know bluegrass and and uh like the country standards like the Hank Williams and type stuff. I'll tell you right? what, their image is much more complex and much more interesting than just cowgirls. I'll oh, tell you what. Fuck yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, they have a, you know, that's a, it kind of sucks that that's how they started presenting themselves at first, right? Yeah, it, it, it does. But what's really crazy is like, okay, so at that time, like when they released that Christmas mm -hmm. album and everything, they were still, they were on the Grand Old Opry. Yeah. They, and they were also on a nationally syndicated uh, radio show. Oh, yeah, it's the a Prairie Home Companion, which is well, fucking huge. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is that's one of like the biggest ways for country artists still to get like exposure in like a lot of rural markets, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what's uh, what's nuts about it though is they were really famous in Nashville and Texas. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Interesting. Nowhere else, like nowhere else in Tennessee, nothing. Like it was literally Nashville and Texas. Mm -hmm. um, so in 1992, uh, they released their second independent album, which was Little Old Cowgirl, which moves towards a more contemporary country sound. And contemporary country at the time was like Reba McIntyre yeah. and like you know, like it was kind of that. It was it was that tr there wasn't really a distinct sound in the early 90s because there was what would eventually become the late 90s sound of country and mm -hmm. what was the predominant sound in the 80s. Yeah. And it was kind of a transitional period. A lot of country ballads at that time. A lot of ballads. Yeah. A lot of uh, and and a lot of like like slow uh, like lo slow story songs. Mm -hmm. Like not even just ballads, but like songs that tell a story. Like fucking uh, uh, the night that the lights went out in Georgia. You mm -hmm. know, it's like that's not a that's not a song that's no. like a ballad, but it's slow as shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, Robin Macy was not pleased with the change in sound, so she left the band in 1992 to devote herself to a pure, purer bluegrass sound, uh, remaining active in the Dallas and Austin music scenes. And it was during this period that professional steel guitarist Lloyd Maines, who had played on both albums, introduced them all to Natalie, his daughter, who was nice. an aspiring singer. Uh, he showed them Natalie's demo tape, which she had sent to uh, Berkeley. And she got into Berkeley on a full scholarship. Wow. Uh, just based on her vocal abilities. That's crazy. So right away they were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's add her mm -hmm. to the group. She's, you know, younger than the other girls, the other women in the group. But, like, they were like, yeah, let's do this. Mm -hmm. So um, what they did, though, is, like, uh, they considered their options with, like, the major record labels. And uh, they were kind of, like, kind of not looked at too seriously. So uh, one of the reviewers that took note of this, though, he said some record label executives will be kicking themselves soon enough when the Dixie Chicks are queens of honky-tonk circuit. If their show at the Birchmer 
uh, last week was any indication these chicks have what it takes to make it to the big time, yet no major label has taken the plunge to sign them. Wow. So even back then, like people in the crowd were like, these yeah, guys there was a few big. people that were, like you said, they were popular in certain areas and people saw that they were going to, you know, make it big. Yeah, they saw the potential in it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I think is really funny. So I, I watched a inter- uh, recent interview with Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Natalie Maines has been like a regular on the Stern show yeah. since like around 2004. And uh, they were talking about like her performing at the Country Music Awards with Beyonce and like and like that was her first time there in years yeah. and everything. And Howard asked her about like what she originally thought of the name the Dixie Chicks, you know, because obviously they changed their name to the Chicks mm-hmm. and they're, you know, uh, being respectful and everything. Yeah. But she was like. She was like, honestly, at the time, that was the most interesting thing about the group was their name. <laughs> she was like, they were just like wearing these hokey outfits and playing these hokey songs. So the name was the only thing that like yeah. really was like kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Your um, bunnies are going fucking mental right I now. Know, fucking hell. I don't know what the hell to do about it, honestly. That's okay. They're... I was trying to listen to the words you were saying, but I was I'm like. <laughs> Sorry, Spencer. God damn it. It was oh, it was distracting me. Those little fuckers. Also, the cinnamon in the coffee is nice. Yeah, you, slightly tasty. You, you notice yeah. the yeah. cinnamon? Yeah. Yeah. I saw you do it last time, and I was like, didn't notice as much last time when Forrest was here, but I noticed it this time. It's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I think my favorite thing to do with coffee because it makes every every pot of coffee just a little bit more pleasant. Yeah, it's got a nice little little taste to it. Nice little taste. It takes to the it. bitterness out of it. Yeah, and mm. it, and it also uh, isn't like too sweet. Like it, yeah. it's not like you're adding sweetener to it. No. Um, okay, so uh, uh, at this point though, Lynch was thrust into the role of lead singer. For their third independent album, uh, should have told you that in 1993, mm-hmm. uh, but was unable to attract support from like a major record label, and the band struggled with their fan base, you know, being just in those two areas. Yeah. Um, so uh, a new manager came on board, uh, Simon Renshaw, and he approached music executives Scott Simon, and he signed them to a development deal with Sony Music. Nice. Um, so. When this happened, uh, this was in, like, mid-95, and then the Chicks replaced Lynch with Mains mm. as the lead singer. Uh, accounts of the departure have varied, but it does sound like it was amicable. Okay. Like, it, it doesn't sound like it was, like, they wanted to, you know, just, like, blindside her or anything. And she also... Uh, went on to have a family and, and is more ha- like happier mm. with where her life is now than you know if yeah. she had been a singer in the band. Um, but uh, she said uh, it can't really be characterized as a resignation. There are o- there are three Dixie Chicks and I'm only one. Yeah. Uh, by her own account, uh, she has no regrets. So that's pretty good. At this point, though. Wow, did they ever fucking take off? Yeah, I was going to say this. Their next album, right? That's the one I was yeah. talking about is where they made it big. Wide Open Spaces was yeah. the one that blew them the hell up. So mm-hmm. now with Natalie Maines as the new uh, lead singer, and they have a more contemporary sound, they have a new look, uh, and uh, Renshaw then sent uh, the producer Blake Chansey to Austin to work with them. Mm-hmm. So now they're recording in Austin, and uh, so their their lineup is now finalized as this. Mains joins the band, and uh, she was not, uh, you know, an acoustic bassist like Lynch was. So instead, she played acoustic and electric guitar, 
and occasionally electric bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she sang lead vocals, and then McGuire and Strayer were singing backing vocals while also playing banjo, dobro, mandolin, mm-hmm. violin, viola, and cello. Nice. <laughs> so there's like crazy amounts of instruments. Um, their single, uh, I Can Love You Better, was released in October of 97 and reached the top 10 on the American country music charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they recorded their new album, Wide Open Spaces, which was released on January 23rd, 1998. Nice. And over the space of the year, it had three singles that, uh, that entered the charts. Uh, so there's, there's Your Trouble and You Were Mine and Wide Open Spaces, which mm-hmm. are all great songs. There's your trouble. <laughs> There's your trouble. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, uh, but the album was huge. Like it was huge everywhere. It was. It yeah. was. Uh, you know, number one in the U.S., number one in 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 Canada. Like it eventually got to the number one on the country charts. Um, so after the uh, after that, they followed it up with Fly immediately after. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 1998, they sold more CDs than all other country music acts combined. That's unbelievable. That's fucking insane. That's that's nuts. Right? Like, wow. <laughs> that, and that's at a time when, like, Garth Brooks released his last album. That's insane. That's actually fucking nuts. And that's, yeah. that's, every, that's everything that wow. was, that, like, because if you think about it, that means that everything that was recorded up until that year that was on CD, that was a country music artist, everything that was sold that year, combined did not reach them <laughs> that's fucking stupid that's, that's so insane yeah what that is hell? that is actually a chart topping hit that's crazy <laughs> like, they literally they were the, how many albums did they sell that must have been like a ridiculous fucking amount well that album did go i think it was uh uh platinum mm. um so then after the commercial success of their first two albums uh, they became involved with a dispute with the record label. Mm. Now, this is the first of, of two controversies, but this one is very important because uh, Sony, uh, regarding their accounting procedures, had uh, at least 30 cases where they had used fraudulent accounting practices. And the chicks picked up on this, so uh, they were like, fuck you, we're leaving. Like, mm. if you don't pay us the $4 million in royalties, yeah. we're, we're out of here. Uh, Sony held out and they were like, all right, well, we're gone. And then Sony sued the group for failure to complete their contract. <laughs> so then they countersued Sony for, uh, for mm. that, which, uh, added clout to the claims made by singers, Courtney Love, Amy Mann, and Leanne Rimes against the recording industry. Yeah. So that kind of, that kickstarted a lot of discussion about, you know, artist pain and everything, which, well, if I know one thing about record labels um, and, you know, record producers, they're always – they always have the artist's best interest in mind. Yeah. They never take advantage of anybody, and they definitely pay them what they deserve. They definitely pay yeah. them what they deserve. And I think that, you know, we don't – honestly, we don't consider the record executives enough. You know, we yeah. don't we don't think about the four yachts that they have to make payments on. I was going to say, like, how are they meant to survive on 90% of the royalties? Yeah. Why isn't it 95%? Why isn't it 97? Yeah. I mean, I've... they... I mean, they don't perform the songs. They don't write the records. No. But they, you know. But they're there. Yeah. They're there. They deserve the majority of the money. They pick them. They pick them. Yeah. So. And and you know what? For the amount of duds that they pick, too, I think that they deserve it. Damn right. They deserve it. 
Uh, Misfits Misfits on vinyl for record producers. So uh, at the end of that, though, they settled out of court privately. I think that means that they got what they wanted. Probably. And Sony had to pound sand, which is good. More than likely. Um, Okay, so then in 2002, uh, Home was released, which was recorded independently by the chicks with Lloyd Maines, like Natalie's dad. Um, Unlike the chicks' two previous records, Home is dominated by up-tempo bluegrass and pensive ballads. Uh, Emmy Lou Harris added that uh, added her vocals to Godspeed in addition, and the text of the opening track, uh, the first single, Long Time Gone, uh, was a pointed criticism of contemporary m- country music. Nice. And it was basically like, hey, everything sucks nowadays. <laughs> you guys aren't real fucking country artists, which is pretty good. Uh, Long Time Gone became the chick's first top ten hit on the U.S. pop singles chart and peaked at number two on the country charts. Nice. Um, so uh, it had their cover of Landslide. I was gonna say that's one of the more one of their more famous yeah. songs. Yeah, and and honestly, I really do like that cover. I mm-hmm. think that's one of the only times where the cover is just as good as the original, but for different reasons. Yep. Like, I think it, I think they made it their own, but it's. Uh, um, I mean that's a great song, so it's it's hard to fuck that one up. Yeah, yeah, but it's they, really hard to fuck it up. They did put a, a nice twist on it, and once again, their harmonies shine through as fuck on that song. And the music video is like very haunting mm-hmm. because like it, like Emily Strayer is pregnant at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they're like you know obviously we all know what the lyrics of Landslide mm-hmm. are. We talked about it during the Fleetwood Mac episode, but it's like there's. Uh, you know, there's so much context that is given from them with their perspective of like, you know, becoming like uh, adults and moving past like Mm -hmm. certain elements of their lives and, and, and the record industry and everything. And, and, uh, you know, welcoming new life into the world and everything. So they have like a different perspective to add. Yeah. Well, it it takes the same words, but applies a different meaning. Yeah. It's just like with hurt with Johnny Cash Mm -hmm. and, and nine inch nails, same song, two different people doing it yeah. and two different uh you know styles and tones um traveling soldier was also on this one mm-hmm. which that was I, I remember that song being played a fuck ton at, yeah. at the time um so home won uh grammy awards as well it was uh 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 it just fell short of reaching diamond status uh, but Natalie Maine said afterwards, I want to check the record books and see how many fathers and daughters have won Grammys together. <laughs> uh, That's pretty cool. And especially that they did it independently um, after having this record dispute. And yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's pretty cool. Um, so on March 10th, 2003, this is a big, this yes. is a big incident. This is the one. So they were performing at Shepherd's Bush Empire Theater in London, England. Mm-hmm. And Maines told the audience that they were ashamed that the president of the United States was from Texas, uh, which triggered backlash in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Fucking nowhere else, just America. Uh, the, they were blacklisted by thousands of country music stations. Yeah. And, like, it was crazy. Their, their records got pulled off of store shelves. Like, the amount of backlash that they received for that was fucking insane. Um, their single, like their cover of Landslide, it was in the top 10 and it fell to 43 on the Billboard charts in yeah. one week. And then it was off the charts. Was this, this also has to do with the Iraq war, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they were referencing yeah, when they so said that. They were, they were referencing that because that was, uh, right around the time. Here's the thing that like, I think maybe a lot of people don't understand. Like, um, a lot of people like our age, 
when the Iraq war was happening, when that was kicking off, uh, there was like a big uprising of people walk like marching against it. Like it was, it was very much uh, like nobody, basically nobody in the world supported it except for American patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this you know. was the this was the problem. Well, this is I wouldn't say it was a problem, but post nine eleven there was the huge influx of patriotism, mm-hmm. and then shortly after they got involved in the invasion of Iraq. And it was controversial. The yeah. weapons of mass destruction proved to be untrue. Um, I mean, a lot of senseless killing yeah. going on, um, unfortunately. And I mean, it's now it's been it's, well, it's been a pattern for the U.S. for a very long time. But this was, you know, their first dabble back in the back into the Middle East from their from the '80s and early '90s. Yeah. Um, so it was a uh, you know Bush it, was really really just trying to lose more on his father's name. Yeah, like because his dad had started all that shit and and lost like a motherfucker. Post World War II U.S. proxy war. Yeah, this is just an ongoing pattern. I mean, you go Korean War, you go Vietnam War, <laughs> you go the Afghanistan War, yep. and then you go what was it? The Gulf of what is it called? The, 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 well, it was it was the Gulf War, but yeah. what the fuck was it? Uh, nah, fuck, I forget. Yeah, but, I don't really know. I'm not. But, that we're, we're not historians. Yeah, but then it was. But then it was. Iraq and, and Afghanistan, Afghanistan and look how well that turned out. Just saying. And they got uh, involved in Syria, which has gone really, really well. Yeah. That, that um, went well. Yeah. Um, Egypt also. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they weren't like official. I, okay. The CIA was L- there. Libya. Yeah. The yeah seven Libya. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. He was a dentist for the military. Ooh. <laughs> so it's a weird, uh, you know, the U S getting involved for weird reasons and weird motives, which, uh, most people are awakened to, but some people are not. Some people are not, and um, the people that are not are really not. Unfortunately, it's a part of world politics that the U.S. will go to developing countries and fuck them up. Yeah. Um, I mean, look what's happening with Venezuela right now, mm-hmm. which has been ongoing for a few years. Yeah, and I mean... People are literally burning their money in Venezuela. As Canadians, you can't really say much either because we were also involved um, to mm-hmm. in many of these wars as well. Um, same with uh, same with the UK. Like yeah. the thing is, like like Canada and the UK, like basically the Commonwealth countries always have to do whatever the US does. Yeah. Because unfortunately, that is the number one trading partner of most Commonwealth countries. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. I mean, I I'm not a pro war person. I'm not, but I'm also not anti military. Um, but it's very sad to see that there was a lot of you know, young people that passed away yeah. um, on both sides and a lot of senseless killings. I mean, it caused a lot of pain. I mean, I've seen a lot of testimonies from former soldiers yeah. that went over there and they talk about horrendous things that happened. So, I mean, it sucks that when they spoke out, you know, now in retrospect, everybody can be like, yeah, you were, you were right. Yeah. I'd say the majority of people would be like, yeah, you were right to say something. But at the time they've, you know, basically tanked their career. Oh, totally. Um, which is which is terrible. The thing that happened just for speaking your, you know, in the land of free speech. Twelve uh, fucking words yeah, ruined their yeah, career. Yeah, the land like, of free speech. You think you'd be able to express your opinion, um, you know, and not face a, you know extreme backlash for something that isn't even that controversial. No, and and they were getting death threats for mm-hmm. it. That's the other crazy thing. They were they were getting death threats. Like there was uh, there was two quotes that I pulled from the doc. Uh, one was. Move to France, Dixie Chicks. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's... Yeah. D- 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 okay. Uh, and the other one was, 
strap her to a bomb and drop her over Iraq. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, yeah. like the, the, the stupidity that is patriotism. It really depends on the, the, the person, right? I mean, I feel like those people, like, there's, like, some, some people are so blinded. They get the, the blinders on and they, you know, they they view it as, like, you know, that they're attacking the U.S. for saying this fucking thing. Yeah. It's really not that controversial in the grand scheme of things. Now, it's, like I said, it's a mainstream opinion that it was a mistake to get involved in Iraq. Yeah. yeah. And that, uh, you know, there was ulterior motives and, you know, that George Bush was involved for the wrong reasons. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking iconic. The yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean the the weapons of mass destruction thing was not real. No, no. And there was a lot of people that died for uh, you know fabricated. And and it's fucking insane to me that like that that has happened for so long. You know, like that is that is crazy. Um. Okay. So uh, what I was gonna bring up too that I think is really funny about this is like, uh the idea of cancel culture because mm. you know how like now it's all the right wing people and they're like fucking you can't do anything down mm. here they were the people that were canceling the dixie chicks for saying yeah i'm ashamed that the president of the united states is from texas i think i think both sides are just as ridiculous because you know the extremely liberal people will cancel people over small things but the the right wing cancellations they burn books they yeah. fucking you know they'll They'll attack people physically. They'll I buy mean, CDs just to ruin them. Yeah. It's quite, <laughs> They'll buy a case of Bud Light just to shoot it. I know. It's so stupid. Well, barely shoot it. It's so Fucking, stupid. They're both doing the same things, and they're like, you're an idiot. Can I say this? I'm not afraid of Kid Rock with a gun, because watching no. him try and shoot a fucking case of Bud Light, Jesus Christ. He was, he, it was like he was fucking Michael J. Fox holding a machine oh gun. God. He's just like, fucking, like, I'm not afraid of that dude. He's... Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you got dual canceled for that. We love Michael J. Fox. He's got a documentary coming out. I love Michael J. Fox too. Mm. I, I actually really liked his book when I read it. it was, I don't like Michael J. Fox because he's got Fox in his name. Oh God! No, you know what I think is really funny is I have to say this. What a time to be alive, though, in in comedy right now because I've been mm. spending so much time in comedy clubs and like and and alt rooms and stuff and seeing. All of the hot takes on the Dylan Mulvaney mm-hmm. situation and the CBC being government funded <laughs> and everything by people on both sides of the political spectrum. I'm like, thank fucking God I'm not a political okay, comic. I, I, don't know, just... <laughs> I don't know how this is news that the CBC is government funded. <laughs> news is government funded by Twitter policy means that government has editorial control. Yeah. While, um, but it public, also... It also... On Twitter's policy, publicly funded means that government has no editorial control. So by saying government funded, it means Trudeau and the government has specific control. But but it also does state uh, like down in the guidelines in it that it says like if the majority of your funding comes from a government operation, that also counts or a government mm-hmm. institution. So it's like it. But what I'm saying is, I don't think. Why does it fucking matter? Like you know, like like the, my okay, thought is. Yeah, why do we give a fuck about Twitter? Like, why, I, honestly, why does any of it matter? Like, no, I mean, personally, I like listening to CBC, but for their non-news-related content. Yeah, um, like, like I, I love I their to, music stuff. I listen to their music stuff. Q is like yeah, one of the Q best. Is so good. Um, there's the new show with Alamid Umakhmed. I forget the name of the show. The current, oh, that's not the current. What's it called? Um, the Currents with um, Matt Galloway. Uh, it's a new show, anyways, on CBC, and I'm sorry, Alamid. I, 
that like he listens, but I butchered his fucking name. Uh, you know really what? Bad. Maybe he does listen. Um. Anyways, awesome. it, it's uh that's a um, it's like a pop culture show. They every day they talk for half an hour about certain topics. They'll talk about the Mulvaney thing. They'll talk about um you know the they had a really good episode about all the love shows on yeah, yeah. Netflix. It was really really good. I'm fucking feel bad for blanking on the name because I listen to it almost every day. Um, but their content outside of the news, and then some of their Alberta specific content is really good as well. Alberta at noon uh, with Julie Julie Aldis is very good as well. Yeah, that's a quite a good show where yeah. they, they talk. I mean, sometimes their topics are boring. It's like talking about gardening, but other topics, you know, they'll have people call in. They'll talk about chat GBT or they'll talk about um, Alberta politics. People will share their opinions from rural to city. It's really, really good stuff. I, I have something I have to tell yeah. you because I just thought of it. So last night I got an Uber back from the laugh shop. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, when I was in the Uber, I was talking with the guy like he, he was just like it was one of those Uber drivers where you're like, you know, he wants to talk. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm going to have a conversation. But then uh, uh, slowly he started being more and more conservative. And like mm. he was kind of like testing the waters, I guess, to see like how it would fare with things. He was like, what do you do for work? I'm like, oh, I'm an actor and comedian. And then, uh, but then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he's like, you know, because of Jason Kenny, I'm getting so much work as a contractor now because there's so many people coming here. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Okay. And then he's like, and then he goes, he goes one step further. And like, uh, he's like, you know. Uh, like this came out of nowhere. Also, I had smoked a joint at the laugh shop, so I'm I'm in the car. I'm high as fuck, and I'm trying to be polite to this guy. But like, uh, uh, like, okay, so <laughs> fuck me. Out of nowhere, he's just like, he's like, you know, uh, the only reason I'm driving Uber is because I used to, I used to work in the stocks. I used to be a day trader. I was like, oh yeah. He's like. Yeah, and then the stock market crashed, and I lost everything. I was like, oh, I'm really that sorry sucks, to hear yeah. that. Like, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And he's like, yeah, it's all Joe Biden's fault. When Trump was in office, he controlled the market, and it was fine. And I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this guy's my, dumb. My favorite niche Uber driver is the immigrant Uber driver that hates immigrants. Yeah. I've had this a handful of times. That was this guy, too, yeah, by the way. This guy. I know that everybody listening was imagining a white guy. This was no, not a white guy. No, I, I love the immigrants that hate immigrants. And you're, like, listening to them talk. Remember that fucking chef at that restaurant that we used to live above? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like we this is super Italian guy. Um, like, barely spoke any English. The only thing he would talk about is how much he hates fucking immigrants and he's like clearly an immigrant it's like oh my god dude like yeah but i had an uber driver recently as well this guy was um he was from the middle east he's from jordan and he was went on like a fucking like 20 minute rant about how he hates immigrants from the middle east i was like oh my god dude it's like oh dude like you know you can't it's like what the fuck man yeah, he's like, oh, there's a there's a generic white guy in my car. Let's get into the hate oh, immigrant God. chat. Yeah. I hate that so much. Yeah. Okay, so uh, getting back to the chicks here. <laughs> Five-star review I got. <laughs> <laughs> I just nodded, dude. It's like I, I don't even want to talk to these guys. Like, It's like, oh, my God, like, why talk politics when you're fucking Uber driver? Yeah. It's like. Also, I just I generally don't like talking politics. I don't even like talking politics with my family. Like, yeah, I'm well, fucking definitely random not. Are you kidding me? Random family? stranger, no. random oh stranger, God. dude. Like, fuck off. I don't want to talk about anything. Like, talk about sports. We'll talk about whatever. Just I made don't the talk mistake, about religion or politics. I made like, the mistake of saying that I had voted for Justin Trudeau to my grandpa, and then I had to ar- argue with him 
for fucking three hours because he still gets a Christmas card from Stephen Harper every year. Oh I'm like, God. God damn it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he's mass producing those. He's like, no, he's signing them himself. Yeah, like, he sent them personally to like, me. No, yeah. he's not. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, <laughs> I do not support parties. We've talked about this yeah. personally. We're, we're very, I flip flop, but I tell you what, I've voted NDP and, and liberal pretty consistently. So come at me, bitches. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I've never, I've never voted right, but I, 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 I won't completely say that like there's, there's no value of weighing your options and and critically thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that I have with like talking politics with people is I feel like there's the idea of like this, 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 like ah fuck, it's like it's like cheering for a sports team. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. it's it's like I don't fucking care who gets traded. Unf- I really don't. <laughs> un- unfortunately, most of the leaders in Canada suck. And on a on a provincial level, on a federal level and for different reasons. And yeah. you're allowed to think that they suck for different reasons. Yeah. And you're allowed to be vocal about that and go, I actually don't like this guy because of X, Y and Z, mm-hmm. but I'm going to vote for that party over the other one because of this reason. Like, you're allowed to say that, and you're allowed to say that without getting in shit for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not going to persecute anybody for their political beliefs unless they're Unless they're racist really or stupid. sexist yeah. or something like that. Unless like, if they're, really they're if they're anti-Semitic, if they're, you know, Islamophobic, then yes, absolutely I'm going to. But mm. it's like, if it's, if it's something fucking stupid, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Anyways... Going back to this, good, so good nuanced political commentary yeah. from the two. Wow, of us. we have such a hot take here. Aaron. Yeah, wow, <laughs> we uh, we couple, believe in freedom of speech. Couple Amazing. of guys riding the fucking line here. Yeah, a Jesus couple of Christ. couple of white guys talking politics. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Like literally classical. Honestly, I I would dope. I would prefer that. And it was on 420, and I had just smoked a joint and picked up food on my way home, and so I'm just like baked, just like listening to this classical. It sounds like a vibe, dude. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't fu- like I'd fuck with that over political talk. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I, uh, yeah, or, or I like learning about, like, like different people's cultures. Like, I, mm. I, I had a, a Uber driver from Ghana, and he was talking about, like, what it was like back home. And I was like, this is so dope. And it was a long Uber ride, too. So I was like, oh, cool, I'm actually learning something about this. Five stars. I have, I have a little bit of a Uber beef. I got a bad review from a fucking Uber driver. The guy was on the phone the whole time. I don't know what the fuck I did wrong. I tipped him fine. All of a sudden, but it crashed my five-star rating this guy was talking on the phone the entire time he's like yeah it's okay if i talk on the phone I'm like yeah i was like that's fine i put my headphones in i didn't say a word to him the whole time and i got a bad review and it dropped me down to like a 4.85 stars wow yeah so i don't know what the fuck i did wrong but i gave him a good review i was like a fucking it was a short ride it was like a 15 ride i tipped him like seven or eight bucks i was like what the fuck man he gave me a bad review yeah, I was choked about it. That's fucked. Yeah, I was choked about it. That maybe. really sucks. Yeah, I was really uh, mad. Siobhan had a really good one where uh, she ordered an Uber. She got in, and she just asked the guy, do you mind turning on the radio? And he went, that's not how this works. And she's like, what? And then he's like, get out of the car. She's like, what? So she gets out of the car, and then he leaves, but he doesn't cancel the fucking Uber. So she has to cancel it, which means she pays for it still. Oh, I'd beef about that. Yeah, so here's the thing. I was like... I was like, first off, I would have gotten out of the car, but I would have left the door open. Yeah. I would have been like, you, you're you getting out to fucking close the door. If you're kicking me out and you're mm. like, hey, fuck you, you, you got to like, you got to 
you got to cancel my ride yeah. so that I don't get charged for this. Yeah, uh, yeah it was very weird. Um, okay, so getting back to the Sorry, <laughs> yes. album. Okay, so uh, their next album, uh, Taking the Long Way, was released in stores and online on May 22nd, 2006. The album was produced by Rick Rubin. That's cool. Which is pretty fucking dope. Uh, and the band felt they had nothing to lose by a newer approach and possibly quite a bit to gain. So all 14 tracks were co-written by the Chicks alongside various other songwriters, including Neil Finn of Crowded House. Nice. That's cool. Um, so it contains several tracks that uh, seem to indirectly reference the what the group called The Incident. Uh, <laughs> and uh, McGuire commented that I'd rather have a smaller following of really cool people who get it, who will grow with us, rather than... Uh, people who just have us in a five-disc changer with Reba McIntyre and Toby Keith. We don't want those kinds of fans. They limit what you can do, Damn. which is fair. Damn. Toby Keith fans are pretty fucking dumb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I got to say, Toby Keith is like, okay, I kind of admire the fact that he like is so obnoxious, like so fucking obnoxious, but I hate the fucking guy. Yeah. You know, like I kind of admire the fact that he's like, how do you like me now? But then I also am like, he's a douchebag. He's a fucking complete twat. I'm trying to remember the one song I know about him. Red Solo Cup? No, there's another one he sings about, about Copenhagen Chew, I think, or Skull Cans. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, Copenhagen with, uh, with Chris Ledoux. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, Copenhagen is that makes Toby me Keith? feel so good. Yeah, it's it's Toby Keith and Chris Ledoux. Oh, there you go. Copenhagen, so just like you know it should. Well, I put a little chew in my mouth, go hollering, swallowing <laughs> around the house, and Copenhagen makes me feel so good. Uh, okay, so uh, Not Ready to Make Nice and the second single, Everybody Knows, are largely ignored by U.S. radio and fail to uh, go into the top five of hot country. But they were in the top on the pop charts. Yeah, I'm Not Ready to Make Nice is a great song. That is a great song. Yeah, they have so many good songs, actually, now that we're getting into it. And you want to hear the crazy thing? When this album came out, because it debuted at number one, Mm -hmm. with 500,000 copies sold in its first week, uh, without country music radio play, uh, they are the only female group of all time to have three albums debut at number one. That's awesome. Which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, fast forward, they took time off. They were not uh, touring or creating. Like, they were doing mm-hmm. some shows. They weren't creating any music. And then they came out with the banger Gaslighter, which is a fucking great album. Nice. Um, they did that in 2020. That was uh, right in time for, uh, you know, to get ready to go tour. <laughs> uh, to, to tour and promote the album in the year mm-hmm. 2020. Yep. Uh, there was nothing that year that stopped touring from happening. No. Nothing at all. Yeah, that's another conversation for another day. We already had our Iraq war chat. We'll leave the coronavirus uh, bullshit for another day. Now, leave a comment below. Where do you think our stance is on the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I said. <laughs> no, no, Sam. I say, no, Sam. I say bullshit in a large, overarching term. Not that coronavirus is bullshit. Um, just to be clear, <laughs> look at us walking the line. We're we're really really treading carefully here. Here's the thing. I I, I got a really funny note uh, uh, from someone the other day, and they were like, "I like your guys' podcast because." You're not talking about normal stuff that comedy podcasts talk about. You're not getting into politics or anything. 
Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where uh, we say we say a lot without saying anything, though, which is something yeah. I like about me and you is we dance around <laughs> our beliefs very... Honestly, uh, I cannot wait well. until Who Are These Podcasts reviews us because yeah. there's so many things that I've looked at back on and been like, fuck, that's going to be clipped and taken out of context oh, where yeah. we just look so stupid. And oh, yeah. like, I, But I also... If we got made fun of, I would be so okay with it because I'd be like, this is why we need to focus on things to get better, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'd be like, thank you, Carl, for A, bringing us to a larger audience and B, making fun of the f- things that we fall short on. <laughs> which, uh, is which is quite a bit. Which is quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, we are both under f- six feet. Anyways, uh, yes, true. notable tracks and singles ready to run. Cowboy, take me away. Goodbye, Earl. All good. Yeah. Uh, reception of the album, it debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 country charts, number one in Canada, 11 times platinum. Fuck yeah. 10 million units sold, won two Grammys, one for best country album and best pop perfor- or best performance by a group or duo for Ready to Run. All music uh, aggregate score is five out of five stars. Rolling Stone gave it 3.5 out of five. Pop yeah. Matters, eight out of 10. And Q was four out of five stars. Yeah, Cowboy Take Me Away is my favorite track on the album. I think that song fucking rules. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I I think like uh I think that's that's up there for me. That's up there for like Dixie Chicks songs. That, In general. And yeah. Ready to Run. Ready to Run and Wide Open Spaces are, are fairly similar songs in terms of like their what they're talking mm. about. But I, I like both of those songs for different reasons. Nice. Um yeah, I, I, I yeah, fucking ready to run is just such a good one. It's also a very good track. Ready to run, I'm ready. Are you? Oh, <laughs> ready to run, I'm ready. Don't don't do ready to run, I'm ready. Oh, ready to run. Deeply into my eyes. It's because I'm wooing you. Ooh. Ooh. Woo. Woo. (laughs) Woo. Okay. (laughs) Every episode we get into a rating. Yes, we get into a rating. We certainly Uh, do. So we rate out of 10 on technical, musical, lyrics, album Uh, art, reception, and does it hold up. Now, technical element, it's it's mixed really well. I think it's... uh, it's it stands out for its time for a country album, I mm-hmm. think, because a lot of uh, a lot of country albums back then kind of everything sounded like it was on the same level. Uh, it, it like this at least you can distinguish instruments, but it doesn't it doesn't take away from it. So I would say it's mixed very fucking well. Yeah, I would I would give it like probably a nine out of ten on on the mix. I think it's uh, the way they. Like we talked about earlier, the banjo is very distinct. The fiddle mm-hmm. also shines through quite well. I, I would go an eight on it. I think eight on the mixing. I think it's well done, like you said, compared to other country albums. Um, yeah. It's not it's not muddy at all. Sometimes I find with banjos and fiddles, it can get a little muddy. Yeah. Um, very clear. Very yeah. clear. Very crisp, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, musical element, I'd have to go really high on this, if not just for the fiddle and the banjo, because mm-hmm. both are... Both are done so well, and I think that this is the peak of when they were, like, like instrumentally, I think this is their peak album. Um, I think that, uh, like, because I used to play the, like, the five-string banjo, yeah. so I, I, I at least understand it really well. And, and I think that Emily Strayer is a fucking phenomenal banjo mm-hmm. player, if not maybe the most uh, prolific in, uh, in, in popular music, mm-hmm. uh, because... Th- She's just like she's able to like make any song better with her banjo playing, um, while not taking away from it. Yeah. So I would I would I would probably say eight and a half on music. Nice. Yeah, I I would agree. I think I'm gonna go nine on it. Nine. Yeah. 
All right, so we're at we're at like eight point seven five. Mm-hmm. Uh, lyrics, lyrics are great on this album. Yep, <laughs> fucking the good, like Goodbye Earl is a fucking great song. I like. I can't remember what song it's off. It just got the one. They got the one line about. Uh... Looking out of out at a field and not seeing any buildings. I forget how it's worded, but it's oh quite yeah, nice. yeah, it's quite nice. It's worded quite well. I think yeah. that's in Cold Day in July. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and that was something that I wanted to mention too. Is uh, uh, McGuire actually co-wrote a lot of the songs mm-hmm. with uh, uh, another uh, uh, writer? I forget his name. Um, so there, there was there was like fourteen writers on this album, but they were all like uh, that. Each song, except for Goodbye Earl, had one of the chicks working co-writing on co-writing co-writing it. Nice. So, uh so lyrics I would probably give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to come in around an 8 on it, I think. 8. Yeah. All right. So we're we're at an 8.5 now. Album art, it's the uh fly written on uh, uh different colors. Uh it looks more like a grunge album cover than I was going to say it's not album. anything it that fit special. It. Like, yeah. It doesn't fit it either. Like it it does feel a little weird. I would have to go in at like a 5 on their album yeah, cover. Yeah, I'm similar. I I the cover, like you said, it doesn't match the music that well. No, uh, you're right. It does kind of look like a grunge album. It does, like, like, a, like a Pearl it, Jam, yeah, or like a Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Album. It, it totally yeah. looks like Soundgarden. It looks like something that Soundgarden. Very, it's very late nineties. Especially the font on it. Too. Yeah. It actually, you know what it looks like? It looks like an Alanis Morissette cover. It could, yeah. You're it not it wrong. actually looks very similar you're, to her second album cover. You're not wrong, actually. That's uh, a good point. Um. Okay. So reception. It's very well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I would have to say a nine out of ten on reception. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and does it hold up? I'd say absolutely. I, I think it does as well. Yeah. So I think this rating it's eight point five out of ten. Yeah, that yeah. seems fair. All yeah. right. Well, that's uh, that's it for this episode of Misfits on Vinyl. <laughs> what an episode today! What a episode. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, uh, I almost fell asleep listening to us today. I know. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's my fault. I'm honestly, a tired today. I uh, I gotta say, like, uh, uh, I'm really happy with how the podcast has been going. I'm yeah. really happy with. Uh, uh, I I want to say I want to say like a, a, a personal thank you to everybody who listens. Like, I yeah. really I really am thankful for it because like. Uh, getting to meet some people at shows that listen has been really cool. I actually met somebody who listens to our podcast. Really? I was getting a coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Dude, um, what? Yeah, so I was getting a coffee at Starbucks, and this guy, Lucas, uh, he was kind of looking at me, and I was like, why is this guy staring at me like that? And he was like, hey, man, I really like listening to your podcast. Uh, Dude. Yeah, so it was really cool. That's was, so uh, cool. was very interesting. It was the first time that happened to me, um, so it was very cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool fucking feeling, too. So shout out to everybody listening. Yeah. Um, I know it's been uh, – it's been, I mean, it's been a lot of fun for us, not only just for us to – continue and talk on camera but it's also been really great for our friendship i think yeah uh you know we've become so much closer also with sam we've become so much closer i honestly Um, think like we i became closer with sam through this process because like sam and i have known each other and we've worked together but we haven't like Mm -hmm. we weren't we were like we went to beer fest and like a few things but we weren't like we weren't like weekly hang homies you know what i mean and i'm like i'm glad yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, like I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we've been able to do that. Also, yeah. it's been a year since the Peach Pit concert. Wow, yo, that fucking came up in my memories the other day. And the nice. crazy thing was, I was wearing my Peach Pit shirt nice. the That's day cool. that that popped up, and I was so but, happy. But yeah, I've been really happy doing this. I think it's been a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see where we go with it. I mean, the fact that we just get to do it and shoot the shit, and we have really really fun episodes, and we have yeah. you know some serious episodes, we're able to express. Um, you know, not only our interest in music, but also our personal stories, personal anecdotes. Yeah. It's really great. And I also want to say too, like, I think it's, I, like, I'm, I'm really thankful that, uh, you know, we're able to, uh, like 
goof around and have fun and not like we're we're able to have those serious moments but when we're goofing around and having fun like people understand that i'm really mm-hmm. glad that like our dynamic works for that yeah because like i i think that uh you know there's there's a lot of times where that dynamic gets blurry mm-hmm. and um, i like too that just on a personal note and i don't feel any pressure from either of you you guys to you know oh ha- today's got to be this it's got to be a wacky funny epi- episode i mean i feel like we have episodes that are really funny and we have episodes that are not as funny but they we get more into the actual content of the music and content yeah. of the artist like today's um and i don't feel pressure to have to you know you know dance monkey make yeah. us laugh you know? I, don't I don't feel, feel like that pressure. A pressure to perform no you know and 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 i think that 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 makes a that makes a difference on me mentally mm-hmm. i've been really really thankful that like this has been happening almost every week this year because like this has been the busiest year of my life but this has been like each week this has been just such a fucking highlight mm-hmm. uh and, and and uh and yeah like i don't know having fun with and, it and even just for me like you know you you're out of the three of us, I mean, you, um, you're the real person living the artist's life right now out of the three of us. I mean, we, I mean, Sam, Sam does some creative stuff with his work, which, you know, but I don't have that really in my personal life. So for me, it's been great to actually get back out there and start doing it. Like I took this long break. Um, you know, I was doing that play in Toronto before COVID happened. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it got cut short cause of COVID and that was kind of a kick in the dick. That was my first, you know, you know, it was big, big stage, big audience. Um, it was a personally a big deal for me. And then to have all this time away from it, it's given me the confidence to get back out there and give it another go, even though what I might have been involved in might have not been the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> um, it certainly, you know, gave me the, the push to say, oh, yeah, I still have something to say and something to do creatively where I might have not felt that for an extended period of time. So, yeah. And I. I- you know what? I'm glad too because like I was always kind of like uh, leading up to when we started the podcast, mm-hmm. I was kind of pushing you to do more shit because mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, he's he's not fucking done yet. No, <laughs> I know no. he's not fucking done. Uh, so I've been I've been uh, I've been happy that you've been like getting back out and doing mm-hmm. doing more creative shit outside of this because it's like yeah, it's it's yeah, it's man. Dope. I feel like there's more to come. I feel like we have some more stuff we can work on, some more stuff to do with the podcast outside of the podcast. I mean, my wheels are in my creative brain is turning again once again and i'm quite quite happy to be a part of it even doing little things like fucking around making the instagram posts yeah, and yeah making the thumbnails and all that fun sort of stuff it's all got the wheels turning once again got the fucking creative juices flowing my, li- my little hamster is a moving <laughs> in my brain he's running on that wheel ah, so that was a nice little wholesome ending i'm very thankful for you guys i love you guys uh, yeah. i love our listeners um appreciate you guys listening to us every week and please send us your recs yeah that's the big thing we'd love to start doing some more specific stuff for the people that are listening i'd love to listen to albums that you love and we can see if we love them you might there might be albums that you love that we also really love and there might be some that we really hate yeah we're looking to try to get some bad albums on here every once in a while too just for the meme the just for the memes we Um, we we definitely have a few in my collection that we can go through there are some there are some (laughs) certainly bangers what the fuck hello (laughs) yo so uh just to let you know i'm just finishing up the podcast right now yep no worries Bye.
All right. Uh, okay. On that note. Uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Are we going to cut that fuck out of here? <laughs> no. <laughs> that was just my homie Brody. Uh, him and I are going to go smoke a joint and go longboarding. What's up, so. Mr. McCool? Mr. McCool. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Misfits mm-hmm. on Vinyl. We really appreciate it. Like we said, uh, send us your recs. Come to the Comic Expo. Come mm-hmm. to see me on tour. Yes. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Anal contusions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's Misfits on Vinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.